So, um, so basically what I want us to do to, together today is I want to explain some of the truths that are involved in healing prayer um, and also some of the barriers. And um, barriers for ourselves as we pray for ourselves, but also barriers as we may be are praying for somebody else. And um, then I want us to actually do some healing prayer. And um, so I hope we're going to have a good time together. And you can all hear me, hey? Okay, mm-hmm. good. So, you know, one of my favorite authors on the subject of healing prayer is Leanne Payne. And many of you might have read her books. And um, I think she just has such a great grasp of, um, can I say, the emotional and psychological dynamics of healing prayer. And, uh, yeah, so she, she's my hero on the subject. And um, Leanne Payne, P-A-Y-N-E, Leanne Payne, and she's written a number of books. She's not alive anymore, but she's written a number of books, and they're well worth reading on on various subjects, various subjects of healing and emotional and psychological health. So I want to start by just reading Psalm twenty-seven, verse four. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. There's something about waiting on God that really, um, as it were, opens the door to healing. We should have waited for some latecomers, don't you think? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you can. Oh, is there another chair? There's another chair. Yeah, maybe. I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, I'll just long it here in case. Thanks, Mike. So yes, I'm going to repeat. I'm going to repeat the scripture just for those of you who've just come. Welcome, and we're looking forward to having some time together. And I want to just read from Psalm 27, verse four. One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And we could read that, that I might wait in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Healing comes when we are present to God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And it is Jesus that we put We put all our trust in him. It's his adequacy, his strength, his knowledge, his power. It's another who's within us who does the work. And um, so we are actually celebrating our smallness and his greatness. And for me today, not feeling great, it's very appropriate (laughs) because... It's nothing to do with me. It's what God can do. So we actually celebrate that we don't have to come up with healing power. We celebrate the fact that it's God who is the healer. And um, that's amazing. So one of the really important things about healing is learning to practice the presence of God And I don't know if you've ever read a very tiny little book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Mm -hmm. I read this in my 20s, and it just made such an impression on me. Um, I love the fact that it's practicing. So it's not something that we automatically get right. We automatically know how to do. But um, as believers, throughout our lifetime, we get better at being aware of God. 
It takes discipline. It takes practice to acknowledge the unseen and requires effort at first. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, he says, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is on but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now we can see each other, we can see the furniture in the room, and that's what feels most real. But that's not what is real. That will all pass away. The unseen is what is real. And so we we get to practice um, the unseen. So practicing the presence of God is simply calling to mind what is true. And I want to teach you a breath prayer, and some of you may be familiar with breath prayers. Breath prayers are just ways of calming yourself down, of um, getting to believe what is true. And the breath prayer that I very often use, and this is a great prayer if you're ever anxious. Um, We know physiologically when you take deep breaths, your body stabilizes. It's a real thing. But one of the breath prayers I use a lot is as I breathe in, I'm saying to myself, you are here. As I breathe out, I'm with you. So let's try it. You are here. And I'm with you. You are here. And I'm with you. Practicing the presence of God is simply calling to mind what is true. The scripture says the truth will make you free. So when we call to mind what is true, we become free. So this is not the same as the sort of tingling moment you might feel during worship where you physically sense God. That's like an extra blessing. It's not just goosebumps. It's way more than that. We're tapping into the reality of God's presence. We're becoming aware. And when you get to pray for somebody or yourself, it's really good that one takes the time to do that become aware of what is true because it's that truth that sets us free you are here and I'm with you you are here and I'm with you so we can learn this hence practice Another way the scripture speaks about this is abide in me and I will abide in you. It's really an act of the will. We open our minds to this reality. God is here and we're choosing to believe it. That's what the breath prayer is. You are here. And I'm with you. And so in your most anxious moments, it's a really great prayer to pray. Um, That truth is what will set you free. So we discover that God's presence and power are mysteriously one for those of us that believe. His presence and his power actually the same thing and let's just read that psalm again one thing I've asked I ask from the Lord and this only will I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on this beauty and to seek him in his temple 
You see, the Holy Spirit is the power of God. And as we become available to Him, He can heal the world through us. We know we, we walk around with Him. He's in us. So it's His divine energy that moves through us and brings life, even when we're unaware of it. We have divine energy in our bodies that are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and we don't even have to be aware of it. It's still true. Becoming aware of it is what cancels out unbelief. And you know, it's, it's a bit of a scary thing when we realize that unbelief, as the scripture says, is as the sin of witchcraft. Unbelief is really serious. And yet we can find ourselves in unbelief in so easily. But it's really serious because of the implications of unbelief. So um, it's really good for us to practice believing the unseen real. The gifts of healing are parts of God's energy entrusted to God's people. It's the Holy Spirit in our midst. When Jesus died on the cross, he freed us from the dark spiritual powers in the fallen world and made it possible for us to take our place in him. And we now become channels of his authority and power. That's a done work. Through our brokenness, we've all become separate from him. And that we, we refer to that by remembering the fall. In the fall, in the garden, we became separate. Adam and Eve were not separate in the beginning, but they became separate. And we not only become separate from God, we become separate from ourselves and from one another and also from nature. So healing has primarily got to do with mended relationships, ours and God's. And this is a key. Help us, God, to move from self-consciousness to God-consciousness. So even as we are together here, I pray, Lord Jesus, help us to move away from self-consciousness and become God-conscious. You are here, and I'm with you. God is much more real than we are. You are here, and I'm with you. So healing primarily has to do with mended relationships, ours and God's. And... Um, it's quite a stumbling block if we remain in self-consciousness. It's natural, though. So that's hence the learning, hence the practicing the presence rather than practicing being aware of yourself. So often we find ourselves listening to ourselves, separated from God, and so we're not listening to his voice. We listening to ourselves. So Ephesians 4 verse 22 says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. Grab the chair. And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off the old self and put on the new self, which is God with us. Because we are human, it takes practice to believe that. But it's true. That's what happened at the cross.
Am I making sense to you? So we live not as Adam and Eve in the garden, separated from their God, um, but we are now made one through Jesus' death on the cross. Um, can you remember the story where they used to commune with him? He would, he would walk with them in the garden. And then after the fall, they hid. And he came and looked for them. So he always has wanted relationship. He's always looking for us. But that began um, our way of hiding. A way of hiding from ourselves, hiding from one another, and hiding from God. But Jesus, who was born of the Spirit, was always in relationship with his Father. And through his death for our sin, that separated us, our past sin, our future sin, and our present sin. We now live in the new self. We live in him. It's a new self. We're no longer in Adam. We're in the new Adam, which is Christ. So the cross is the answer to Eden. Because we've been reconciled, reunited with him through Christ. Romans 6 verse 3 says this. Don't you know that all of us who were once baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin may be done away with and that we no longer should be slaves to sin. But because anyone who has died has been set free from sin when we were in heaven, yes, but even now. We know if somebody dies, they can't sin anymore. We know that. But even now, because we have already died with Christ, we are separated from that old body of death. And we are no longer separated from God's presence, but we now can say, you are here and I am with you. So now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, you are under grace. How to practice these truths, eh? How to practice them. Because of his presence, we are new people. We are called to accept our new self, lest we continue to live from that old, unaffirmed, sinful self. And that self is one that's always trying to earn acceptance. That old, unaffirmed self. You know, the, Adam and Eve knew that they had sinned. That's why they hid. They, they knew they were separated from God. And in our old, unaffirmed self, we feel we should hide. But we are no longer living in that way. 
So we are called to accept our new man and we are called to accept our new self, lest we continue to live from that old unaffirmed self. That self cannot hear God. And this is really important when it comes to healing prayer. That self cannot hear God. That self mishears even others. And we have to ask ourselves, whose voice are we listening to? Are we listening to the voice of our old unaffirmed self? Are we listening to the voice of God? So when I choose to live in him, I'm no longer trapped in trying to earn my righteousness or God's love or to keep the law. Those are the two things we try to do. Um, God, I'll just sort this out and then I'll come to you. You know, we're trying to earn our righteousness through the law, maybe read the Bible more, pray more, whatever we want to do, whatever we think God would require. So we work hard and we know that's, that's law because we're never going to achieve that, whatever that may be. So that's the one thing we're inclined to do. And the other thing is that we live from that unaffirmed self, which has not heard the word from the Father, you are loved. As we become God conscious, we become completely whole. We become perfect. If you ever wondered about that scripture, you know, become perfect even as I'm perfect, it's like, yeah, whatever, you know. But the scripture says we, bec we can become perfect because Jesus is perfect, which doesn't mean we therefore have to strive, you know. It just means that potentially, because we are in Christ, we are able not to sin and we're able to hear his voice and we're able to live in him. So this comes from listening to his spoken word, his rhema to us. We know the scripture that, you know, um, we need to live by every word that um, proceeds from the mouth of God. The rhema words. The rhema words are the words that heal us. Any of you, and I'm sure a number of you, have had healings from the Lord, healing words, healing seasons. And I'm sure if you look back, You'll, you will remember, become aware that any healing that you've ever received has been as a result of a rhema word from God. Usually because it's broken off a lie that you've believed and you've believed, begun to believe a new truth. And we know the truth sets us free. So we think back, okay, you said that to me. That was life-changing. So it's always... You know, our healing has always got to do with hearing God, hearing the voice of God. And um, hence our, can I say, practicing to not be self-conscious, but God-conscious, so that we can hear his voice. This is what Paul says. He says, reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Consider it true. Consider it to be finished. Yeah. Let's just pray again. You are here. And I'm with you. You are here. And I'm with you. Until our redeemed self acknowledge, uh, is acknowledged and accepted, we struggle with self-acceptance. We don't hear the voice of God, and we don't actually even hear others well. Because everything is filtered through our own self-rejection. If only you knew how I was, you would also reject yourself. 
Those are the kind of voices that we listen to. If only you knew what I struggle with, you would also battle to accept me. But we know our self-acceptance is never on what we struggle with or don't. It's just because he has said, I've chosen to love you and because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So most often we reject, we project that self-rejection onto um, those we love the most, those closest to us. We project that self-rejection. And until we accept this new self, we're actually quite dangerous to ourselves and we're dangerous to others, even as Christians. Because it's like another voice speaking. We are not abiding in Christ. So in accepting myself in him, I'm no longer trapped in this elusive quest of trying to win my own righteousness or God's love. It's a trap. It's an elusive trap. It's a bottomless pit trying to win your own self-righteousness. It's never going to end. There will always be some sin that disqualifies you. So it's a useless exercise to try and win our own self-acceptance. So, you know, it's a case of we may as well get up, we may as well give up now. We may as well give up now of trying to earn that. Because it's a personal choice. So we are no longer in bondages in bondage to the voices of our old self, those that pull our soul towards death and non being. We actually are a becoming people. We're a growing, becoming people. And this is to do with our state of God consciousness. We're becoming as we become God conscious. And this is beautiful. As our souls move from the state of non-being not able to hear from God, to able to be be with him, into a position of listening and a union with him. And you remember the scripture we read at the beginning. One thing I've asked, that I might be with you in your temple. So it has to do with our ability to understand and accept our union with him, but also our ability to be conscious of him and hear his word. We discover that God shine God's love shines um, a, a light on even our most broken past. There is grace to renounce our idols, our attachments the things we might have bowed down to. Our will can be strengthened and made one with God as we position ourselves with the Father. And, you know, it's always good to just speak about what are attachments, what are idols. Idols are the places in our lives where we try to get value, where we try to comfort ourselves um, things that we we bow down to rather than bowing to the Lord. And, um, you know, I, I love the fact that God is jealous. Jealousy means I want. I want. And he's jealous because he wants all of you. He wants your brokenness as well as what you would consider your best parts, you know, your best side. He wants all of you. It's just not the way we think it is, that I must first sort myself out and then I must come to God. No, he wants all of you. And um, that 
that usually involves a process of understanding what, in what ways have I tried to comfort myself, have I tried to bring value to myself, what have I bowed down to. And I love the story of Jesus in the garden. It's one of my most encouraging parts of the scripture because we are in him and therefore we are able to be obedient as he was. If, you, if you've ever ridden a bicycle, which most people have in this part of the world, you know what slipstreaming is. Do you know what slipstreaming is? Okay. One bicycle is in front and cuts the wind, and the ones that come behind have an easier ride. That's what slipstreaming is. So we slipstream Jesus in, the, in terms of so much, but in terms of obedience. We slipstream him. So Jesus had a choice in the garden. He said, I don't want to do this. Please, can you help me? I don't want to do this. Please, is it okay if I don't do it? He wrestled with God in the garden. But we know he said yes. We know in the end he said, not my will, but your will. And because of that great act of obedience, we are in that and we can be obedient. He wanted his own way, and um, we know in our own lives the parts of our lives where we use other things to um, give ourselves meaning. Those are always things that have a nice side to them. If it's food, food's nice. If it's alcohol, alcohol's quite nice. If it's appearance, well, it's good to look good. If it's working hard, well, you're going to achieve Others might affirm you. There's endless things that we can do to um, make ourselves feel better about ourselves. And Jesus had to surrender to his own will in the garden and say, not what, you, not what I want, not what I want to do. I want to rather do this, Jesus. This feels more familiar to me. My ways of comforting myself feel more familiar to me. I don't want to give them up. But Jesus chose in that moment, okay, I will say yes to this. And we have the very same journey, but we have somebody who's gone ahead of us. As Jesus chose to obey in the garden, we are in him and his strength is our strength. It is then that the soul sees and hears the voice of God when we obey. Hebrews 4 says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul, the spirit, the joints and the marrow. And it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. We know God is always putting his finger on things, eh? Mm, that's not... That's not really serving you well. He's always, the Spirit is doing that. But he does it in a way that is kind. It's not condemning. The scripture says there's now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. So God is never condemning. He's always saying, come to me. We could do better together. You and I, you are here and I'm with you. It's a kind love that divides darkness from light, the old self from the new self. One of the things that's most profound about our relationship with God is that he speaks. And we know the animals don't speak to God. We're the only created beings that speak to God. And it's amazing. God speaks to us and we speak to him. It's a privilege that we can speak to God. Um, it, it defines who we are as human beings, that we are able to have language and speak. And it's only as we merge and we speak to God that we become fully human. We know ourselves only in relationship to God and others. To know ourselves is to begin to be healed from our separateness, which started at the fall. But we've also been separated from one another and the earth. And I've recently read a book um, by Joe Hari called Lost Connections. 
and he writes, it's a book on depression, and he writes about our separateness and says that even one of the things that's really affecting us as people is not only our separateness from ourselves and from one another and from God, but we actually have been separated from nature. And the world is in a state as it is. I mean, if you think about it, global warming is a result of mankind not taking care of the earth. And so we've become separate from the earth. And that affects our state of being as well as obviously from God and one another. So evil psychologically, if we have to explain what is evil psychologically, actually means that we are separated from ourselves. Our fallen self cannot know itself. C.S. Lewis writes this about our state before the fall. He says this, The unfallen position was vertical, upright, where man had his face turned towards God and they had a listening and speaking relationship. In our fallenness, we turn away and we hide. It was a position of constantly receiving identity from God. It's good to think of these things really literally. Before the fall, we were upright before the Father. We looked at the Father. We presented ourselves to the Father. We felt safe in front of the Father. Since the fall, we hide. And so our salvation is a process of becoming upright and vertical before the Father again and hearing His voice allowing him to speak to us and realizing that we have a new position in Christ. So um, we know that before the fall, man was constantly receiving connection and words from the Lord and receiving his identity. We know how important this was in Jesus' life when Jesus spoke identity over him. You are loved, you're my son, and I'm well pleased with you. He needed that in his humanity. We need it in our humanity. Many times to understand that truth. Let's pray together again. You are here, and I'm with you. You are here, And I'm with you. (coughs) It's a beautiful breath prayer. We just breathe it in. You are here. And I'm with you. So we need to be practicing and, and beginning to believe the unseen real. The unseen real. Do you know when you go to a movie and they give you those glasses and then you see things differently? It's like that. We don't see properly without the right glasses. We don't see the unseen. And we have to learn to practice to see the unseen will. So fallen man is always bent towards the created. Trapped in trying to find his identity in the created rather than the uncreated, who is God the creator. So anything that we try to find identity in is a created thing. Man-made thing. And we need to find our identity in what is not created. The one who is the creator. Hiding in the garden, and and we we need to ask ourselves, where am I? Where am I? Am I still hiding in the garden? But God has always wanted relationship. We know he came to find them. It's a beautiful picture that. He was probably exceptionally disappointed by what they'd done, but he came to find them. And that's how he is with us. So when we're praying for others or we're praying for ourselves, we need to ask ourselves, Um, and maybe praying to God if we're praying for others, in whom or what 
is this person or am I trying to find my identity? Where am I trying to find my identity? When we don't find our identity in God, we try to dominate or possess or manipulate people or things in order to meet our needs. And the key to healing is the same for all. It's very simple but profound. It's the process of renouncing and forsaking our bent posture towards the created and straightening up to Christ, the Creator. It never gets more involved than that. Finding out in what ways am I bent away from Him and the process of standing up and allowing Him to speak to me and tell me who I am. When we stand upright and we're fully focused on God, we're listening for His Word, our bonds fall off and we become human, embracing, listening and obedient. Our palms are open to receive all that is good and we are complete and we receive true identity and we are healed. It's a surrendered posture. And we might ask ourselves, well, what if he doesn't want to heal me? And the scripture says this in Matthew 7, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We know that God is a healer by nature, by character. He is a healer. And so he's always... He's always more keen to heal you than you are even to receive healing. Always. He wants to heal you more than you even want it. So our very personhood, our identity, our being, all come from Him. And we climb out of this hell of self-consciousness. As we listen to his words, we are free from the words that come from our own unhealed hearts, our critical voices, and the powers of darkness. And as we listen to the voices of God, the voice of God, we become. We become. This is what healing prayer is all about. Learning to listen to the voice of God knowing your position in Christ and knowing the position in Christ of the person you're praying for, asking the Lord to show you about yourself or anyone else that you might be praying for, in what ways are you bowing down to other created things rather than allowing the Lord to speak to you and bring a healing word. It's always going to be rhema that heals us it's always going to be encounter that heals us this is what spiritual and psychological wholeness is all about it's learning to invite the presence of the Lord and coming into that presence ourselves with somebody that you might be praying for or listening for your own healing word God is always sending words to the wounded and alienated always and it's then that the bondages of our bent position fall from us and our idols are seen for what they are really quite useless really taking up a lot of time and energy but they feel familiar and it's sometimes all we have known and it's that practice of letting go of them and surrendering to who we are in Christ. You are here, and I am with you. I do want to just mention the cross, because the cross is this place of exchange. The cross is the place where we are able to put things down and pick something else up in return. 
And um, we carry our wounds in our bodies so they take up space in a, a literal way. And so when we are healed, there needs to be, can I say, um, a putting down of wounds, pain, whatever they are. Sometimes it's forgiveness. And we have a place. It's the cross. The, the cross is this amazing place where we can take stuff. We can take anger, pain, disappointment, sadness. And we can put it down. And we can ask God for a healing word. No one else has that privilege except us believers. It's an amazing thing. Picture that really literally, because it is literal. We really have a place where we can put stuff down. Um, We can put down our anger, our pain, our disappointment, our rejection, and pick up that healing word. Um, Unforgiveness and self-rejection are common barriers to healing. And, um, yeah, the devil uses those things. He uses unforgiveness, and um, he uses self-rejection to prevent us from being healed. And sometimes we find that we might have to place our unforgiven self at the cross. Not only forgiving someone else, but forgiving oneself at the cross. So that you may pick up a new unfettered self. So this takes practice. We can ask God to heal our minds and our hearts and our emotions our intuitive ways of knowing, our imaginations, we can ask him to cleanse us and to receive the very life of God. And we pray, Lord, free our whole being to come into your presence, which is the unseen real. Help me to come with my body, my soul, my spirit into your presence. And I want to say to you, um, as we just do some healing prayer ourselves, and you're going to pray for yourself. Because I think it's very important that we learn to pray for ourselves. Of course, as you, as you um, embrace the unseen realm for yourself, as you learn to practice well, a breath prayer like you are here and I'm with you, then that is automatic that you're able to, as it were, steward that for somebody else. So I want to say, you know, um, choose something, anything. It can be a big thing, a small thing that maybe God has been highlighting as I've been speaking, you can't fail at this. So relax. You can't fail at this. You might ask yourself, where do I need a healing word? Where would I like God to speak to me? Maybe my identity. Maybe there's an event in my life that has happened, a relationship, where I really want God to come and speak to me. It can be anything. It can be physical healing. So as we as we um, choose to become aware of his presence, you are here and I'm with you. We choose to believe that we are in him and we are no longer separate. And... Um, Yeah, if you find it easier just to close your eyes and want to focus on what God is doing, please do that. And I want to say, quieten your critical voices. Just quieten those critical voices. They're not the Lord. They might be very habitual, but they're not the Lord. And the critical voice might be, this is not going to work for you. Quieten that voice. Remember, we're practicing his presence. And a good way of describing yourself um, is, God is busy teaching me to become aware of him. Rather than, I don't ever feel him. I'm not good at this. I always... always, encourage myself to say God is busy teaching me 
It's an open posture. God is busy teaching us to become aware of him. And um, learning is normal in the kingdom of God. Learning is normal for Christians. We're going to be learning when we're 85. This is one of our privileges. So it's fine to be learning. And what we want to do is we want to picture ourselves in that posture which is no longer hidden and bent over, but before the Lord, vertical before the Lord. We choose not to hide because we are always becoming. You are here and I am with you. God speaks to all of us at the same time. That in itself is amazing how he does that. He might remind you of some details. He might show himself to you. He might just give you a sense of himself. There's just a thousand ways God speaks to us. No condemning voices are from God. We're standing upright. We're facing the Father. We're not bent away from him. We're listening for his kind voice. We know that he speaks to us, his children. Let's picture the cross. We can picture that Jesus has come down as he has. And he now stands before you. We know the scripture says he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for you. That you would pass any test that God that you find in your life he wants you to succeed he's busy praying you are here and I'm with you Is there something that he would like you to put down at the cross? Something that is too heavy for you to bear? Something that he's already died for? He'd like our burden to be light. An easy yoke. We listen for that healing word. What would he say to us? Remember we're now no longer separate. We're joined with Christ. We've become part of who he is. We are a new people. You're allowed to embrace yourself as you embrace Christ. Jesus is really relaxed so we can relax you know sometimes he brings emotion emotion is a gift from God so we always trust our emotions they're never wrong So some of us maybe hear something, a spoken word. We hear we're very audible. Some of us are very visual. And we might see a picture. We might hear a word, but we might see something in, in nature. God speaks many ways to us. 
you are here and I'm with you. Sometimes God is just showing us how we feel about stuff. Um, because even that we can push down and not want to look at that. And sometimes it's like we're at that stage where God is showing us what he'd like us to put down or what he'd like us to feel. We know to, to heal we have to feel. And God loves feelings. We are feeling beings. No critical voices. Jesus says, I love you and I love that you want to connect with me. Nothing's too small or too big. We thank you, Father, that even as we practice your presence, your presence just becomes so much more real. You are here, and I'm with you. Father, I just thank you that you heal us little by little and never um, in a way that's overwhelming, but rather little by little. I just have a picture of a mom with a baby on her hip, like a, I don't know, six months around there. And um, the picture is of somebody who goes to try and greet the baby and talk to the baby. And um, just how that inter interaction plays out. You know, if you just walked up to a six-month-old baby with a mom and try to take it from the mom, the baby would not go come to you. It's not safe, doesn't know you, and um, it's going to take a lot more convincing than that. And then I just have this picture of this person who stands at a distance and then gives the baby a smile, maybe makes a funny face, a few funny sounds, and just gradually wins the baby's trust. And in time is able to hold that child. 
And that's like a bit like our relationship with God when we bring stuff to Him. In the beginning, it's a little bit hard to just give it all, you know, because we're safe with our mother, you know, whatever our mother is. Um, it feels unfamiliar just to go straight to what feels like a stranger. But as time goes on, as we give a little bit, as we see a little bit, oh, a smiling face, plays the fool, makes funny faces, is kind, gradually we're able to give a little bit more. And eventually we're playing with a child. And in this case, we're playing with God. And we're letting him see all of who we are. Yeah. I thank you, Father, that that's how you work with us. You... You're gentle, you're kind, you you understand our fears, our reluctance, and you um, you approach us with great tenderness, kindness. You do really get us. You get the way we are. But thank you, Father, that you never stop pursuing. You never stop pursuing because you want relationship. You want connection. You want to speak healing. You want us to be um, human beings. You want us to become. You want us to be um, aware of what is unseen but so real. So, Father, I just thank you for each person here. And I I thank you so much because you know them. You know them. You know every person here. From the day they were born, before, when they were in the womb, you, you know them. You know their story. And, Father, your heart is turned towards every single person. And you... Um, you love to reveal yourself. And thank you, Father, that even when we are a bit reluctant and fearful in our healing journey, you are completely committed to us. You're actually leading and we are following. Even though we feel like we're leading, you're leading. We thank you for that. Thank you, Father, that there's not one that you say, well, that's too much for me. But rather know, every single one is my child. I love them and I long for freedom for them. And so I just pray a blessing over each one of you that as you pursue the Lord in healing prayer and maybe practice your breath prayer and um, ask God to speak a healing word to you, and maybe as he uses you for other people, which he will, that you think about these things. Just be quiet until you begin to believe that God is there. You know? When we know that Jesus is with us and and the Spirit is in us and that God is present, we can begin to trust him for a healing word. So, Father, would you bless each person. And I pray just blessing, not only on you now, but I pray blessing on you for the, can I say, the future of your healing journey. We know we're busy being healed. And God says, I won't um, stop before it's done. I'll finish what I started. And all he needs from us is a posture of faith towards him that's all he needs from us the healing work that's his job he just needs us to position ourselves towards him and of course we get to choose obedience or not even as Jesus did in the garden but it's like Jesus was obedient to such a massive thing that yes I can be obedient to the things you call me to 
I love thinking of that because it's like I know in and of myself I don't have a lot of ability to be obedient but in him I do in him I actually tap from his obedience because I'm in him so I just want to say great to be with you all and bless you all good good to be with you Thanks.